Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for So I have these dogs, okay, my two beloved precious dogs, and right now there is a phone company that's here around my house trying to lay fiber line in, and one of the guys that came said, I need to get in your backyard. I've got to go in there and mark the lines and all this stuff, and I said, well, okay, and I was concerned about him letting my dogs out, and he assured me, I will not let your dogs out. I've been doing this for over 25 years. I have never had a dog get out one time. So I let him back there in my backyard. He let one of my dogs out, or actually both of them, and I had to go run down the street and go find them. He told me, I've never let a dog out. You can trust me. It's not going to happen. And I said, okay. So I trusted him. And then he went and did exactly what he said he would not do. The phone guy promised me something, and because he could not deliver on that promise, I don't trust him. Well, We're going to find out God's still working his covenant promise with David. And when God says he's going to do something, friend, I want you to understand he does it. God's truth is absolute. When he says he's going to do something, he will. When you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved, you will be saved. God doesn't turn around and say, oh, well, I changed my mind. Or God doesn't make a mistake to where, oh, that slipped by me. Sorry, I've been doing this for all eternity, but one got by me. I'm sorry about that. Oh, well, you know, when God makes a promise, he keeps it because if he ever lets one of his promises fall to the ground, then nobody would ever trust him. You can believe the Lord God because he never lets one of his promises ever fall to the ground. So I want you to see how today the Lord is still working to uphold his promise through David, despite David's inefficiencies. Despite what David lacks, God's going to hold it up. He will with you, too. Let's go on into it in 2 Samuel 18 and 1, Absalom's defeat. And David numbered the people who were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. Then David sent out one-third of the people under the hand of Joab, one-third under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother and one-third under the hand of Ittai the Gittite. And the king said to the people, I also will surely go out with you myself. But the people answered, You shall not go out. For if we flee away, they will not care about us, nor if half of us die will they care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us now, for you are now more help to us in the city. Then the king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by the hundreds and by thousands. Now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains orders concerning Absalom. 
Okay, do you remember back in chapter 11 when David refused to go out to war as kings were supposed to do? David hung back in Jerusalem. That's when he started getting careless and a little lazy. But now David is here structuring his leadership and he's organizing his troops for the the expected clash that was coming up with Absalom. They're going to fight. They know it. But David wanted to make sure that Absalom was kept safe. He wanted nothing to happen to Absalom. I want us to remember what God's intention was for Absalom from 2 Samuel 17 and 14. It says, For the Lord had purposed to defeat the good advice of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring disaster on Absalom. You know, it seems that David was wanting to go to battle, that, that that was a good thing. But I believe that David's people recognized the covenant that was on David. And so because they saw it, they were insistent that David stay behind because they were acting in accordance to the will of God. David's not supposed to protect Absalom because it was the Lord's intent to kill Absalom, to bring disaster on Absalom. Now, remember the previous sermon that I, the previous message that I gave here on Set for Life was that we are supposed to ask according to God's will. You don't pray for whatever you want to. You have to pray according to God's will, not your own will. And sometimes you'll find yourself wanting to do things that is not in God's will. Maybe you don't know that it's not God's will because you can't see the whole picture like David. He couldn't see the whole picture. And so David is here being held back from what he wanted to do because it was God's purpose for Absalom to be taken down. God is going to accomplish his will, and David wanted to act against God's will. Don't hurt my boy. Don't hurt Absalom. That wasn't God's intent here. So David was held back. So you can see how the Lord was working through all these thousands of people to uphold his covenant promise by having all of them collectively tell David to stay out. You stay behind on this one. This ain't for you. If David got in, he would try to spare Absalom, and that's not going to work because God wants Absalom out. Absalom has to go. Second Samuel 18.6 So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel, and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. The people of Israel were overthrown there, before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of 20,000 took place there that day. For the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside, and the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. (laughs) Okay, perhaps it was the rough terrain that killed them, maybe cliffs, jagged rocks, maybe some wild animals in the woods were instructed by God to attack only just Absalom's men. Who knows? I don't know how that worked out. That's besides the point. We know that the woods devoured more. Friends, what we got to recognize out of this, and it's fascinating to see it, is that God has the power and the authority to employ his entire creation to uphold his covenants. And that's what he's doing. He made a covenant with David. The covenant is, I will bring from your line an eternal kingdom. That would come all the way down to Messiah Jesus bringing in the eternal kingdom for us. Yours and my salvation is wrapped up in this. And God is using everything he's got. He's going to uphold uphold his covenant for David, despite David's mistakes. David wanted, oh, don't touch my boy. David wanted to go in. No, you stay back. And not only did the Lord use the people to hold David back, but he also used the woods 
to kill off Absalom's men. I mean, God is awesome, is he not? He will uphold his promises one way or another. Second Samuel 18 and 9. Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the boughs of a great terebinth tree, and his head caught in the terebinth, so he was left hanging between heaven and earth. And the mule which was under him went on. Now a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, I just saw Absalom hanging in a terebinth tree. So when Absalom saw that he was losing here, he, he was getting whipped, okay? Even the woods are jumping in, however that went, praise God. But who on earth would have ever thought that he would get caught in a tree by his hair? <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, Second Samuel 14 says that Absalom was praised for his good looks. It was like, ladies, check me out. Ain't I something? Look at my flowing hair. But to think that one of the features that Absalom kept to drive his pride, my hair, my, my looks, whatever, that this long, this long flowing hair of his would be the very thing that would end up holding him hostage to take him out. What an unexpected and colossal embarrassment. God can take those out that he needs to take out. Second Samuel 18, 11. So Joab said to the man who told him, you just saw him. And why did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you 10 shekels of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I would not raise my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai saying, Beware lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise, I would have dealt falsely against my own life, for there is nothing hidden from the king, and you yourself would have set yourself against me. Then Joab said, I cannot linger with you. And he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the terebinth tree. And ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him. So this guy here, this, this fellow, he refused to kill Absalom. He just wouldn't do it because of David's command. King David commanded, don't hurt my boy. And so he wouldn't do it. But there was also God's purpose to bring disaster upon Absalom. God's will had to supersede above and beyond over David's will, even if God used a bloodthirsty guy like Joab to get the job done. Now, I know this is harsh content. But anybody that dares try to murder off God's promises is going to get taken out the hard way. It's like if anybody ever tried to take out your family, let's say they came to purposely take out your family, you're going to get rather extreme on anybody that tries to take them away from you. So Joab stabbed Absalom in the heart three times. Remember, it was the Lord's intent to take Absalom down and he took him out. But I have to bring up the fact that all of this mess is the direct result of David's sin. David is the one that started all of this mess. Look at 2 Samuel 12.10. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Friends, this is why you never take sin lightly. You take it very, very seriously. Don't pass it off as like it's no big deal because it spins off a million consequences that go crazy on everybody, and God has to deal with all of them, and it also causes you to suffer as well, like David's having here. 
So David started the mess going, but it affected a lot of people. But the reason it came down on Absalom is because Absalom would not repent. Second Samuel eighteen sixteen. So Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing Israel, for Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and to this day it is called Absalom's Monument. Okay, this is some good information here. You know, some people wonder, okay, because they they know the Davidic covenant was supposed to come from David's own line for an eternal kingdom. Absalom is from David's line. So some people wonder why Absalom could not have still maintained the Davidic covenant even if he took over the throne. First off, Absalom was himself was David's son, but Absalom had the wrong heart. He was wicked. He was not repentant. That ruined it in, in, the, in the first place. So he was wicked. And he did not have the character traits required that God needed to run this covenant through. But when I read here that Absalom had no children to carry his name, that right there tells me quite a bit. Friends, the very fact that Absalom built a monument for himself, for his name, because he had no children to carry his name, that shows us that it's highly probable that Absalom was physically incapable of having children. For some reason, he never had children because he probably could not have any. So he had the monument built. I'm never having children. At least this monument will carry my name somehow. So let's say Absalom took the throne of David. The line still would have been unable to continue from David's line. The line of the covenant, the Davidic promise, would have been cut off at Absalom because Absalom simply was not the right guy with the right heart. He didn't have the right character traits. He couldn't fall into God's covenant plan. He just didn't have it. And even if he did take over the throne, like as if God was to somehow not be able to hold up his promise, the covenant would have ended with Absalom because he can't have children. You see, there's no way the promise of an eternal kingdom from David's line could have ever worked through Absalom not only by attitude, not only by the wickedness, not only by no repentance. Absalom couldn't have children. It's not going to work. There's going to be no covenant fulfilled through Absalom. Absalom's tomb. It's called also Absalom's pillar. And it's, the Bible said it was standing today. That at the time they wrote this passage in David's time, it was still standing. And it's still standing there now. It's in Israel right now. It's also known as Absalom's tomb. But I've heard people say, oh, to think Absalom's in there. No, he's not, because we read that after they killed Absalom, they threw him out in the woods somewhere and put rocks over him. He's not in there. Absalom's tomb here in the King's Valley, I was in Jerusalem one time, and I was walking by it, and I saw it. And I said, look, that's, that's Absalom's tomb. That's his pillar. I mean, David knew of this place. He, David himself probably walked by it and probably looked at it. Uh, Jesus Christ himself probably walked by it and looked at it. It's been a tradition for centuries that since it's been there that the Israelites would go and throw rocks at Absalom's pillar to show their anger about Absalom's rebellion against David. And also, parents would take their children. When their children disobeyed and disrespected them, they'd drag them by the ear to Absalom's monument, and they would show them 
this standing monument to remind their disobedient children that this is what ultimately ends up happening to the bad kids. The disrespectful, disobedient children, this is how they end up. And so with a pillar he set up for himself was actually going to become a long-running scare tactic and a means of disciplining the bad kids in Israel. It means don't end up like Absalom. That's what the monument says. Don't end up like Absalom. Don't get rebellious like him or think of how you're going to end up. And amazing how the Lord purposed to take Absalom out, but he also purposed the reminder of Absalom's disobedience to still be standing before us in Israel, even today in the year 2021 that I know of. It's still there all these thousands of years later. Don't end up like Absalom. Second Samuel 18 and 19. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and take the news to the king, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You shall not take the news this day, for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go, tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimaaz The son of Zadok said again to Joab, But whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. So Joab said, Why will you run, my son, since you have no news ready? But whatever happens, he says, let me run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimaaz ran by way of the plain and outran the Cushite. (laughs) I guess Joab was concerned that David would not take the news of Absalom's death very well. And he didn't want that reaction to fall on this young kid. He wanted somebody with more maturity, somebody probably that knew David better, that could break the news to him. Maybe David would take it better from somebody he knew than this young, immature, I got to be the first one to tell him guy, so he wouldn't let him do it. So Joab chose someone that David knew and sent him that was better equipped to go break the news in a better way. But Ahimaaz run off anyway, and he outran Joab's preferred guy, and he's going to get there first. 2 Samuel 18, 24. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate to the wall, lifted his eyes and looked, and there was a man running alone. Then the watchman cried out and told the king, and the king said, if he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he came rapidly and drew near. Then the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called out to the gatekeeper and said, There is another man running alone. And the king said, He also brings news. So the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimaaz the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and comes with good news. So Ahimaaz called out and said to the king, All is well. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. The king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was about. And the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. Just then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, There is good news, my lord the king. For the Lord has avenged you this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? So the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise against you to do harm 
be like that, young man. Then the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said thus, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I died in your place. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So when Ahimaaz spoke originally, he restricted it back to just general terms. But the Cushite knew how to give David the gist of what happened. He spoke not directly. He didn't say, yeah, Absalom's dead. He, he spoke in better, more mature terms. And I think that's what Joab wanted him to do. And he basically conveyed to David, and David realized that Absalom was gone. And the reason why David said, if only I had died in your place, is because he was so overwhelmed with grief that he didn't know what he was saying. Understand, guys, David could not die. He was not to die in Absalom's place. If David's going, oh, if only I could have died in your place. David earlier also wanted to go out to battle, and the people said, no, you can't come. Now he's saying, oh, if only I'd died in your place. David could not die in Absalom's place because that would have broken God's covenant to set up an eternal kingdom through David's line. Again, this is why the people refused to allow David to go into the battle, because what if David had died while trying to help Absalom survive? That would have been totally against God's will. It was God's intent to protect his covenant promise on David, even though David wasn't seeing straight. And here now he's not even speaking straight. Oh, if I had died instead of you, he's not thinking straight. He's not speaking straight. He was incapable of seeing the full picture of everything that was going on around him. And this is why the Lord God holds up his covenant despite our faults. Aren't you glad he can do that? Another flashback that I have to take you into is when Nathan the prophet told David that a certain someone had committed some murderous, terrible crime. Remember how David reacted? David snapped and says, this guy needs to pay back fourfold. He, needs, he should pay back four times over. And then Nathan told him, you're the man. You're the man I'm talking about. You're the one that did it. And so the very judgment that David pronounced over this mystery man, whoever this guy was, that's now the judgment that David now has to endure, the loss of fourfold, four times over. As of now, in 2 Samuel 18, three of David's sons have now died. First was David's infant son that he had conceived with Bathsheba. That son died. Second, David lost Amnon in chapter 13. Remember, he's the one that Absalom killed for raping Tamar. And so, now Absalom died here in chapter 18. We're up to three. Since David proclaimed this supposed guilty mystery man should have to pay back fourfold, then David still has one more son to go. Three are gone. David has to lose one more, which is going to be Adonijah later in 1 Kings 2, verse 25. That's where it talks about Adonijah is going to die. That will make the fourfold that David pronounced on the guilty which the guilty was him when he had Uriah murdered for trying to cover up the sin for sleeping with Bathsheba. Now, I want us to recall how at least two of David's sons had died. One of them was in 2 Samuel twelve fifteen. It says, and the Lord struck the child. Y'all see that? The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.